Welcome along, I'm Alan Williams and this is the Alan Williams Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 151 of the podcast. Hope you've all had an incredible week out there. Special guest with me today. This guy is a mate of mine. He's a coach. He's an absolutely incredible guy. He's a warrior. When you hear some of the challenges he's taken on, I think you can only be inspired by him. Um, the one and only Scott McDonald. Scott, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? I'm good, mate. All good. Thank you very much. That's a lovely intro. I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, I've done worse, I suppose, to be fair. How's all in Scotland today? Are we getting a bit of sun over there? We're we're getting our Scottish sun, right? The sun is out. I wouldn't say it's necessarily warm, but um that's that's we'll take that in Scotland, right? It's uh the it's, west of Ireland is the same, dude. Exactly, right? It's not we're not in Marbella anymore, but it's uh it'll do me nicely, thanks. We know to keep our expectations in check at this stage, don't we? <laughs> Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Scott, just for the listeners that don't know you, don't know your background. Tell us who is Scott, where are you from, a little bit on your background, what you do in fitness, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, sure. I am. Um, so I'm based over in Edinburgh. I my career, my background is really in the corporate world. So I'm the uh, I'm, I'm a managing director and a management consultancy firm. So um we i run a well we're a half billion uh, dollar organization that um have done a lot of growth all over the world um and i love that kind of i think that's probably where i well i learned to cut my cloth if you like is in the corporate world of fixing big ugly complex problems um and that kind of brought me along a line of um you can tell people what the problem is and you can tell them what the solution is but quite often they don't actually do it and a lot of that's down to mindset right a lot of that's because people don't want to be seen to make tough decisions or do things that are going to affect other people and I kind of found a bit of a nuance in that corporate world for fixing the big problems but more importantly getting into the heads of senior execs and and CEOs and the likes um, to figure out why they're not making the right decisions. And then I probably uh, five, six years ago, I, I, I did the whole, I was having kids and uh, got a little bit, let's say a little bit lazy, a little bit out of shape, um, became a little bit of the dad bod. And one day I was like, I need to, I need to fix this, right? I could feel that um, lethargicness, you know, kicking in. I never really had to worry about, I was kind of fortunate that I didn't have much of a weight problem until my mid thirties, um, and then I started working with uh, with JP Joe Parish. Um, says like you know, let's lose some weight here, let's get fit again. And over the last kind of five or six years, that's kind of just gone on a journey that I never would have dreamed of in terms of you know doing photo shoots and uh, Ironmans and ultra marathons and then marathon de Sable and. Um, then over the last few years, I've sort of formally set up my uh, mindset and uh, fitness coaching business as well. Um, so it's been a wild ride, um, and I'm still doing both at the moment, right? I'm still kind of managing that corporate world, but also um, running the mindset and coaching business. So it's it's a busy old time. Oh, mate, that's one hell of a journey. Joe has that effect on us, doesn't he? He <laughs> does. He keeps pushing you, keeps driving. Exactly. No, he's 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 uh um he's just a bundle of energy, right? And you just naturally seem to feed off that. And that's you know, that's probably a 
such an important thing in general, right, is who you surround yourself with, you know, because when you put people like that in your circle, it naturally makes you want to elevate. You know, there is that old cliche saying of you're the average of the five people uh, closest to you. And it's easy to think, oh, well, the five people closest to me are my, you know, my wife and my four best friends or whatever. When you actually think about, well, who, who do you spend the most time listening to you know, you probably start to think, well, actually, like, Joe's one of those people, right? You know, and whether that's on social media, listening to him or um, on texts and, and voice notes and phone calls and calls and all that kind of thing, if you're really careful about who you put in that circle, it is amazing what happens. Because uh, I'd probably say, like, I have overachieved beyond any expectation that anybody would have had of me in my younger years purely because I was fortunate but also savvy enough to be in an environment where I was like I need to be with these people I could kind of spot the people that were going places and naturally gravitated towards them and that just you know part of it's you're hanging on somebody's coattails and you're like yeah I'll follow you you seem to know what you're doing Mm-hmm. part of it's then you just learn loads of stuff off them part of it's the energy that you get from them and yeah I just love that right just put yourself in environments where you're naturally forced to pick your game up and and raise it um and it feels less forced than when you're when somebody's like you need to do this you need to do that right that can feel quite that's when the pressure and the stress starts to build Whereas if you're like, well, actually, I just want to keep up with them. I want to learn from them. That's a much more, uh, like, just a better environment to be in, I think. Um, you're it's, always it's going to get positive energy, goals. isn't it? You know, it's yeah. positive energy. And being in a room with people who actually raise your standards is absolutely, it's like, it's so, so powerful. But that's the one thing about even guys like Joe, it's just that positive energy. And it's not like you need to do this because if you don't, this is going to happen. Like, it's just like, look what you can do. It's just that excitement and it's this gets that fire burning in you, which is absolutely incredible. Like he's just, uh, that's, I, I love that sort of stuff, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I was uh, like, it's, it's so that, that is an important thing of, of wanting to do something, not necessarily because of fear. And wanting to do something because you start to tie your identity to it. And I think Joe does that very well, right? He kind of makes you think, like with Iron Man, for me, I was like, look, I am not an Iron Man, right? That is something for elite athletes, right? Or somebody like Joe, who's, well, an elite athlete, right? <laughs> um, gifted, you know, ex-footballer, ex-pro swimmer, kind of all that kind of stuff, right? If you can, if you can sculpt an identity for yourself that's that's almost believable, and then use that to pull you as opposed to pushing you, right? That fear of shit. If I don't do this, I'll be a fool, right? Everybody will laugh at me and say, "Why the hell did you even start that? Why did you try it?" If you can be pulled by the concept of, oh my god, imagine being an Ironman, or imagine like running a 10k or a half a half marathon or or whatever that is like that pool will last a lot longer than the push of the fear um and the fear is probably more likely to 
it's that whole thing like imagine pushing somebody up a hill right it's like they never get away from you you're still carrying the weight as you push them up mm. whereas with pool it's a lot kind of it's a lot easier and they'll start to build their momentum as well yeah i think it's like almost stepping into what i call the superhero version of yourself if you can create this vision of what is the best version of me what does that look like what would that feel like how do i behave and you can actually think about in that moment i need to put on my superhero cape now what would that version of me do right now if you can start to think in those terms you start to create that person for yourself it's so true right like and it sounds so cheesy right because i have the same battle with myself right because i literally do that right like I sit down and I I write regularly. Who do I, who do I want to be? Who do I need to become? And and sometimes I write stuff down and go, Jesus, I ain't ever gonna be that guy. He's yeah, yeah. he's a million miles ahead of where I am. But when you you don't necessarily need to be all the things that you write on the list, and you might never get there, but you will naturally start to behave slightly differently and little by little you will get there yeah and and you'll maybe get there in terms of you write something down on you know on January the 1st as everybody does and by today in the middle of July or whenever that is you'll be like actually you know I've done amazing right five of those things I've absolutely nailed I'm now super positive um training regularly uh, whatever your things might be but the other five things you'll be like actually now i realize i don't want to do them they're i thought that was my thing but it's not and it's been okay about that and just going that's cool now what i'm thinking right and that constant iteration is the exciting kind of part and where you really start to it's where you learn okay, I maybe want to do some things, but actually I'm just not good at them, right? Like I'm not into this. I want to be uh, an artist and create the world's most beautiful painting. I will never be that, right? I can't draw a stick man, right? So there's there's almost like you have to be real with yourself, but you equally, I could be a very good artist if it's something that I really dedicated my time and my my commitment and my energy to, but you just have to be real with yourself. And sometimes people get a little bit lost in that. And that's kind of where, that's where I love kind of helping people where they've got that. I think I could do more. I don't know what it is. And I need somebody to help me because I'll probably have a crisis of confidence by Friday and today's Thursday. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, yeah, that's where the, that's where the sweet spot is, right? It's so exciting that, that side of things. Yeah, and you've made a great point there as well, just in relation to being flexible as that growth happens as well. And okay, you might start off on a certain path and go, well, that's the destination over there. But somewhere along the road, there's going to be little diversions that you're going, actually, I might just tweak this. I wouldn't mind going in that direction. So just being being flexible with it as well. Totally. Because I, yeah, you have to be, right? But I, I suppose the thing that popped into my head there was you do it, you have to be flexible with it. But you also have to be, there's this thing in society where they're like, there's so many people that be be yourself, right? You know, you see people with t-shirts all over the place, like be yourself um, and be unapologetically you, right? Like there's times when I am unapologetically lazy, right? I'm not a particularly lazy person, but there's times when I'm lying on the couch and I'm like, I do not want to get up, right? 
And I think that's where people get caught with, well, that's me, right? I'm lazy. I'm, and I've just snapped at the kids or I've just snapped at my wife or something. So that makes me grumpy. I'm lazy, I'm grumpy and I'm the, but I'm out, I'm up for a good night or something, right? Like that kind of, and there's this need for you to stay consistent with that person. And I, I get the sentiment behind, you know, don't be false, right? Don't be somebody that you're not. But, but there's a nuance between not doing that, right? Not, not being this idiot, but realizing you could be more, right? You're still, you're still you, right? You're still, your values are still the same. Your beliefs are still the same. The way that you treat people is still the same. But just because you feel lazy, tired, grumpy, whatever else it is, it doesn't mean that you can't change that to be, well, high energy, you know, full of beans, uh, excitable and happy, right? That's not because, and there, but there will be people along your way who then come up to you three years later and go, you've changed. You used to, I thought you were always that grumpy guy sitting in the corner. Like, <laughs> he's always up for a good pint, but he was always moaning about the world. And you're like, that's okay. It's okay to change that way, right? But I feel like a lot of people get caught in this. No, that's just not me. And it's like an excuse as to why they can't do more. 100%, man. Like everything you're saying there, I think most of us can relate to. And like we all have days where we're on the couch and we're lazy and whatever else. It's just don't label yourself as I am a lazy person just because I've done something lazy this evening. But also, as you say, when you have growth, you're going to change. Your values are going to change. Your priorities are going to change sometimes people will be uncomfortable with that. Like I know myself, like you're going to have maybe groups of people that you've grown up with and they see you in a certain way because you've always been in that role. And then maybe you start to pigeonhole yourself into that role because you go, well, do you know what? I kind of have to go out and have the pints on Saturday night because it's what I've always done. And then as you grow, you can sometimes feel resistance to that because people often go, it's, it's, it's comfortable and it's nice for them to have you in that role. And they yeah. like that, and that feels good for them. And then when you start to move out of that, you can feel resistance to it sometimes. But you have to go like, what actually matters to me right now? And what do I want to do? What do I want to achieve? And what am I going to have to do then to step into that? And that might be a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah, that's that's spot on. And that's, yeah, there's that resistance that other people will put on you. And you have to expect that. Mm. Um, and not let that be a blocker because it is it's hurtful right especially like i'm a one of my highest values is loyalty so to this day you know my best friends are my friends from school right yeah. and some of them are friends from nursery right you know like yeah. old, right? um and i love them all dearly and to be fair nobody's ever said to me uh well in fact no, a lot of them would say you've changed right but it's always been in a kind of jokey way of you have changed, right? But that's okay. Mm. But you, it can be quite conflicting, especially I found in my 30s where you're kind of coming out of this phase of going out all the time and partying all through your 20s, realizing in your 30s, I just can't keep doing this anymore, right? <laughs> like I'm knackered, hangovers are lasting like the whole week. If not, you know, I'm just drinking to get through it again on the Wednesday or the Thursday. But you you become, you're worried that if you break out of that cycle that you lose that group. Yeah. Um, and it's, 
it's scary right and that because as humans right we we crave that connection basically for like however many hundreds of thousands of years that we've been around we always we, we always hunted them packs right if you were if you were left as a as a caveman on your own like you were dead like there was no chance you were going to survive you weren't going to be able to to eat hunt keep warm all that kind of stuff so you had to stay in these packs and that's why it's so hard for people to kind of sometimes do and go off and do something that doesn't that the majority isn't doing yeah because for hundreds of thousands of years our psychology has been actually no you have to stay in this group you have to stay in the pact if you want to survive um so it kicks off that kind of survival um fight or flight mechanism when you start to do something that's different and you have to realize actually the reason that this is doing is because my prehistoric brain is saying you might die if you leave the pack yeah you now need to kind of go well look i'm not really leaving the pack i'm just saying i'm not going to go out every saturday night or something along that lines um and if i look around me i'm not gonna die right um i might I might lose a couple of people that I, I, I don't go out with as regularly, but there'll still be plenty of people around me. Um, and it's kind of recognizing why your brain makes that connection, I guess. Yeah, a, a lot of what you're saying, I have experience of it as well. So I haven't drank alcohol in three and a half years. And yeah, yeah and, and you know what? It It is a little bit uncomfortable at the start. And you kind of have to stand with your values because I recognized that it wasn't serving me. I didn't particularly enjoy it. I actually found I was just drinking for the sake of fitting in. And that yeah. was the distinction I made because I love my training and I love even getting out on a Sunday, going for a hike, getting out in the fresh air, yeah. all that sort of stuff. I don't want to be hung over on a Sunday. So I kind of decided, you know what, fuck this, like, you know, um, so I'm going to go my own way. And yeah, like it is, it is a little bit challenging because at the start, people do question it. Now, my good friends, the ones that I've grown up with since I was four years old, they're still there, no hassle at all. And I always say the people that like you for you will stick around anyway. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, but you know what's happened, Scott? I've actually up-leveled a lot of my circles. Like I'm hanging out now with the likes of you guys and the high-performance coach or, you know, with Phil and the team over here. So like I, I find I'm getting people, like you mentioned earlier about getting on the coattails of people who are doing really, really well. And I found because I've got clear on what I want and what my values are, I'm now aligning with people who are similar to myself. So yes, I've lost people along the way, but I've also got some amazing people into my life now by going the path that I wanted to go. Yeah, I know. That's, and I think it's funny when you say that, right? Because part of me is like, oh, that's so sad that you've lost some people. Like, <laughs> that's, <laughs> genuinely, that's the feeling that kicks off. But then I'm also like, but that is so like that has to happen the sad thing is actually the real sadness would be if you stayed with people who it's not that they're bad people right or that they do something hurtful or anything it's just they don't necessarily you know sometimes I find myself doing that thing where you you go out with somebody and because you've always done it right particularly people maybe you only see two or three times a year mm. and you come away from it and you're like god i'm fucking knackered right like our, mm. i don't feel good right that like and you have to say actually that's that's because it's an energy thing right they're just yeah. not we're not vibing anymore we're not aligned um, yeah yeah and it's and it's a shame like for there's probably a long long time where i held on to people like that 
because I'd always I'd always done it and I'd always been there and often I'd feel like they needed me right um and there's this you know you talk about self-respect and self-love and things like that it's being able to kind of almost step out your body and say because you could easily do it for your mate if your mate was going out with somebody and, and you were like look mate this is every time you come back from that you've you're down for the rest of the day or the week or whatever and you kind of have to take yourself out of your own body sometimes and be like right mate what's going on here yeah you keep going out with this guy or keep going out with this girl and you never feel good afterwards so what would you tell your mate to do and be like you're right you know wind it in find a way uh and it doesn't need to be something brutal, right? Some people will be like, oh, I'm going to send up text that savages the person. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's just kind of being aware, right? Either I need to be in a great state to manage that person. Because there's some people you just can't get, right? Especially family and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's being able to stay in a state of, right, I'm going to go into this. It's probably going to be tough. And I just need to manage my own energy through this and call it quits when I want to and for example I always end up going drinking with this person I'm just not right I'm going to say we are not drinking tonight I'm going for a nice meal or we can sit there and have a coffee or whatever else but this is how it's going to go because I need to protect me and I need to protect um what's important what's important to me and often you find then that that makes it a more natural parting of ways when you actually stand up for what it is that you want in that relationship as opposed to just doing what you've always done yeah. 100%, 100%. And sometimes we can catastrophize and we think, oh, if I do that, everybody will cut me off. But they actually won't because the people who are closest to you anyway and the people that, you know, really have your best interests at heart and really care about you, my experience has been those people have been absolutely fine. They'll go, yeah, you do you, <laughs> you know. Yeah, um, totally. be, you know, and there'll be some other people that okay, they'll go, oh, geez, well, if you're not going out, he's no crack or whatever. Well, do you really want them in your life anyway, you know? Oh, I know, I know, I know. But it's funny how so many people get caught up with that and I, I a lot of that does come back to you know your values like loyalty would be something that's a, a very high value of mine and it was something that so therefore it's really difficult when somebody when you're trying when you perceive that you're not aligning with your values it's a really difficult place to be uh and there was probably a period where I, I felt yeah in my 30s probably I feel like I feel like if I just found my thirties really hard, like I had the best, like growing up, I loved it. I thought my twenties was like the time of my life. And then the thirties is kind of this period where you're like transitioning out of what I arguably my twenties was when I should have been transitioning out of my childhood. I was like, no, I'm living the dream for as long as I possibly can. But in your thirties, you're like, yeah, I'm now definitely past this. Right. (laughs) But shit, I'm not ready for 40s right uh and it's just a really kind of i i found that you know you have kids you get married you have kids or so many people will you know um and that really turns life on its head right um so yeah yeah it can be tough times right but the more that you know about this the more that you've kind of understand why you make these decisions and yeah, and you can protect that energy then the better the oh, yeah absolutely and sometimes it's just values clashing as well like you've mentioned loyalty mm-hmm. being one of your major values like growth is probably a big value as well so you're mm-hmm. probably seeing a little bit of a clash there where you're going oh i'm absolutely. growing i'm growing but i want to be loyal to these people yeah you 
that and I'm spot on, right? There you go. You've you've caught it in one, right? That um you you often so many of us do have values that are in conflict to each other, right? Yeah. Um and it's okay. It's like it, you don't have to be loyal all the time, hundred percent of the time. Like there's sometimes yeah. another value is gonna go, okay, this needs to be the priority now. Like growth is what I actually need right now. Yeah, you know? exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Talk to me then about your your 30s. So you said to me earlier you kind of hit mid thirties and started seeing dad bod and stuff like that. How are you feeling at that stage? Um, yeah, like my thirties were just, I'd say my early thirties were all right. I, I, I did really well for myself. I was working, um, I, I'd kind of risen up the corporate ladder, I feel like very quickly. And I was quite young to be where I was in my twenties. And then in my 30s, I started, and I just presumed I was going to be the next CEO of a FTSE 100 company or something, right? That's just where I saw that going. And then you start to think, ah, right, there's one thing, because growth was a massive part of my value system, was um, I just had to keep going, right? I had to find a way to get to the top. But then as you get up there, you're like, ooh, actually, I don't know if this is what I really want right um so I started to feel a bit like oh like where am I going and when I did the what I did was I I flipped unconsciously but instead of being focused on growth and seeing where I could go I was focused on survival right and I think a big part of that was you know getting having kids and feeling the responsibility that comes with with being a dad, you know, getting the mortgages, getting the cars, getting the, all the sort of things that you, that level of responsibility is instead of continuing what got you there, right? I started to think, no, solidify. Just make sure that you always have enough, right? Don't keep pushing. Mm. At some point you're going to get caught out, right? And because I assumed that I was, I had this belief that was, you're just lucky to be where you are, right? I've been in the right place at the right time, surrounded by good people. And I knew I'd done good work, but at some point I was going to get found out kind of thing. And cut a sort of very long story short, I I left the company I was working for BT when I was, the kids were like two or three, because I was just all over the place. I was flying Const every week and I had been for about eight years wherever it was in the world and I was like look I, this is not how I want to raise my kids right like my kids were two and one at the time and I sat down with the CEO and I said the CEO and I said I need to go right like this can't continue and he tried to talk me out of it and I said no look I've, I've got to get home uh, and to be fair to him he then phoned his equivalent in standard life and said, why don't you come? Cause I said, standard life are based in Edinburgh. That's where I want to go. Um, and I took a job there, but it wasn't, I took it because I wanted to just be in Edinburgh. Right. Mm -hmm. And the madness of it was, was like, there was, it was more money. It was like, all of a sudden I only had a half hour commute. I was at home every night for bath time. And I, that's exactly what I wanted. And it was like ticked every box, but I knew that I'd taken a step down. Like, I just wasn't playing at the level that I had been playing at. And I found that really difficult. Okay. 
And then I moved again and did the same thing, right? Got a job even closer to home, right? Even more money, even, even easier, right? Like it, it, it ticked every box on paper. But what I was doing was basically just trying, I was focusing on consolidating what I had and staying safe yeah. as a, I'd stopped pushing for, for growth. And I ended up really one just really anxious and I've never really been that anxious a person before really struggled with anxiety for about three months and I was like I'm out of here right this this can't continue and I actually went to a Tony Robbins gig um which I'd recommend to anybody right Tony Robbins is like the the messy off the coaching world as far as I'm concerned um and that reminded me in that it was four days and it reminded me in that moment that what it was that lit me up, right? This whole idea of trying to stay safe and trying to provide and trying to constantly just not fuck things up just didn't work for me at all. And it was it was like a light switch that went back on. I was like, right, I know exactly what I've got to do here. Um, and by that point, I'd, I was, I'd got a new role, uh, really starting to it, it just honestly it was like somebody flicked a switch and I just went I've completely remember now what makes me tick and I just sort of went on the growth rampage <laughs> after that wow. you know I just everything came back the confidence the, the self-belief the drive the determination and all the badness of anxiety and fear and all that just kind of fell away from me um and it's been like that ever since and whenever I start to feel like mm, I'm not feeling too good to be fair my wife usually spots it before me she's like yeah you're now you're being a bit of a pest <laughs> what's going on and she'll be like it's because you don't have a goal like what yeah. is it what where are you trying to get to what are you trying to do yeah. um and I'm like ah you know good point and that helps right having somebody my wife's amazing she's of exactly that same kind of mindset yeah. um, and we both had our challenges along the way right she's kind of gone on a on a not so dissimilar journey as well so having people like that around you just makes because often it takes longer for you to spot the problem where somebody else could be like the you yeah there you, you go darling there you go well okay <laughs> my man like I, I'm, I'm nodding away here because everything you're saying is like I'm, I'm so aligned with it and I feel like it's it's almost like you're describing going into scarcity mindset where you've gone well to a point and then it's like okay I just need to go for safety now and it's that scarcity mindset of I need to just protect now and hold what I have but actually for me and I think for you and for people that are wired like us we need growth and that like that that challenge is what we need because it gives us purpose and it's having that vision of where am I going that actually lights us up and that brings out the best in us and it sounds like that was maybe taken away from you for a while and now yeah. you've realized actually it's the other way I need to go I need challenge I need yeah. to work harder that's it right and it's I used to I remember I used to to, to I used to, I remember going into the, a job interview once somebody said to me uh what was the question? It was something along the lines of, like, so you've done a lot of wide variety of roles. What is it that you, what is it that you want to do or something, right? Because I've done loads of like big operational running, managing huge teams of people, 
to being this troubleshooter to being whatever and I was like I have this I look back now and I think that was really insightful for a 20 something year old but I just have this need to be knowing that I'm pushing my limits and I'm pushing my boundaries and I remember saying at the time but it, sometimes it can be really exhausting because I can't stay there for forever so I'm constantly trying to push but then not get too tired or too overwhelmed um and I don't think I knew at that age how to really manage that I just kept pushing kept pushing kept pushing whereas now I'm very conscious of right I've been pushing for quite a while now you need to ease off and you need to be okay about easing off that doesn't mean that you're going back into your scarcity mindset that just means that you're consciously taking your foot off the gas because the car can't car can't keep going at the speed the whole time right um i'm slowing down to, to speed up basically 100 and, and training is the same isn't it it's like train recover yeah. train, recover and and that's kind of what you're describing with life as well when did the life when you're kind of you're pushing hard on the life stuff and on the work stuff and the career stuff when did that change over to fitness was there a trigger moment where you go i need to sort myself out here yeah totally like I actually don't think I have many moments. You know, some people say, oh, this like moment and the clouds parted and the light <laughs> gone down, right? Jesus appeared. <laughs> yeah. I don't have many of these like moments, but this was, I was on holiday in France about, I think it was maybe six years ago with the kids and the kids had just accidentally taken a photo. One of the kids had accidentally taken a photo of me building a sandcastle. And I looked at the photo at dinner time because I was just scanning through the, the the pictures and went, oh my God, what's who's that? I remember saying to my wife, like, look at this. When when did I get like that? Why did you not tell me? <laughs> totally. She was like, well, you know, you kind of, you know, you're. I love you wherever you are and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, bullshit, right? <laughs> um, so... And that was like, and honestly, that night, so I, we were sitting at the table and I, said, I was having this, like, these moments of, like, I was like, I just, and I think because I've got two girls, I was like, I need, I don't, I know so many girls have body issues and I really wanted to be like a role model for them in terms of, not because I wanted to look like Ronaldo, but because I wanted to show them the habits that, you, that you need to have right to stay in shape that was like a massive I was like shit I am not being a good role model and if there's one thing I'm going to do in life it's going to be I'll be a good role model for my kids and I spoke to so I was sitting with the dinner and I was like Emma like what the hell am I going to do she's like well you know I'm getting uh, coached but she was had a PT at the time Leanne Conroy who is oh, uh, yeah. Joe's wife and she said, why didn't you go and speak to this? Uh, I'm sure Leanne's boyfriend at the time is uh, is a coach. And I was like, yeah, right. How do I contact them? I didn't, know, I didn't have a social media. She was like, right, I don't know. We'll figure this out. And I spoke to Joe that night. And I was like, mate, I'm coming home on Monday. I need everything. I need my nutrition. Like, and I didn't have a sc- Scooby, right? He was like, right, well, we're going to do calories. We'll have to cut your calories. To-. And I was like, stop the bus. What is a calorie? What are you talking about? So complete beginner level. Complete beginner. And I was like, right, okay, I'll try and figure that shit out. 
and 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 you know, I say that that was like that was definitely a a, a turning point. And I, on that Monday, I came home and I was like a man possessed with. Uh, but then you have that initial spurt of energy, right? And I was amazing for I don't know eight weeks or something. And then I was a bit like, all right, I managed to shift a few pounds. I'm kind of I'm all right. This will this will do. Mm. And then I was like, no, no, I need to. I was, I had, I think I had a stag do or something at the time that I was like, I'm trying to get in shape for that, which kept me motivated for another couple of months. And then I think when you start doing something for four or five months and you get results, you, it then does become much more of a habit. Yeah. Um, and then it just became a kind of, all right, back to what's a goal that feels a million miles away but almost achievable and they were the kind of conversations I was having with Joe at the time that was like right let's push in the same way I've done with work and everything else in my career how how do we keep pushing things to the point that yeah how to get comfortable with the uncomfortable right that's uh I love that saying that's something that's helped me a lot and uh in dark times so kind of kicked on from there really the point where the goal is a little bit scary but you're going i'm mad enough that it could be done yeah yeah and how cool would it be to do it like because i think there's another thing that people get a bit stuck with which is you if you're not going to do it for yourself then you, you know you shouldn't do it never do it for somebody else i'm like that's the biggest pile of bullshit i've ever heard right because like i'll do more for another person than i'll ever do for myself right kids yeah exactly right so if and that was a big part of what drove me particularly was the kids and like because i was like okay i'm all right i'm in okay shape right but how would i feel if my daughter said to me you know i can just about look at myself in the mirror and i'm okay i'm like that is not how i want you to live life right so that really became this like fuel for me and then I would be like what would my mates say if I did like a cover model photo shoot thing right I'm like they would I mean they would wet themselves straight off the bat like what the hell are you doing yeah mine just abused me as well Scott <laughs> absolute dogs abuse right? it's that that pack mentality of I got absolute dogs abuse and then you'd but be there's standing- respect yeah, there is. Yeah. Then everybody disperse, and there'd just be one or two of them. And they'd be like, "Mate, can I do what you just did?" That's yeah, they're secretly going, "How do I do that?" Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, awesome. So, yeah, that that for me was like right, you know, because it would be cool to have my mates think that, and just to, for my kids, and and a, and a bit of it was for me, right? But again, that's okay, right? It's it doesn't have to be just for you. Um, you just have to find the get the leverage over yourself. If you want to change any of for anything in your life, like that, you're never going to change unless you've got leverage over yourself. And often the leverage is not, and it's not enough to say, "Well, I just don't feel good." Mm. Right? You need to have, well, actually, because I'm letting somebody else down, or because I'm, uh, because I could be, I want to get to this point, and if I want to get to that point, then I have to do this. It's, it's you have nobody changes without getting leverage over themselves. I think sometimes people struggle with that conversation as well because it's hard 
and because it's a little bit confronting and sometimes they yeah. don't want to go there it's like oh i don't even want to think about that like jesus if i get to 23 stone how it's going to impact my family and the people around me they don't want to think about it because it's it's fucking hard totally it is yeah and it's and it's harder to then if you can't have a conversation with yourself how do you have a conversation with somebody else to say i need some help right yeah, yeah. um but it's this piece about how do you at some point that is going to happen right it's going to be a lot harder conversation in six months in yeah. 12 months in yeah. 18 months and there's a harsh reality that is you are the only person who can save yourself in this scenario yeah and all of this is your fault do not start blaming other people right all of this is your fault everything that's going to happen in the future is your fault but the good news is all of it is within your control absolutely right and when you take that level of responsibility initially the concept of it can feel quite scary and oh my god that's gonna i have to blame my parents or my wife or my whatever when you take that level of responsibility it can often be actually quite freeing because you're like actually yeah i don't hold the grudges i don't hold the anger the frustration towards other people i'm just going to go out and fix this right and there is a million role a million case studies of people who've got themselves in terrible shape mentally physically whatever it is and they got themselves into the best shape of their life and become massively you know huge role models for for the rest of us um but you have to take responsibility yeah and it's hugely empowering i know it is scary to do but it's hugely empowering because you start to come away from it and go i'm actually in control of my life and where i go from here and that is the biggest gift you can ever give yourself and it's the biggest gift you can ever give your kids as well because they're seeing you grow up in a healthy way in a healthy manner when they're in that environment they just take that on as normal and they will go into teenage years like training eating well is just what they do they don't even think about it but you do have to you do have to have that difficult conversation with yourself or maybe with the coach and there's no avoiding it like I, i'm in the industry a long time as as you are as well and like you do find the people that will actually be really really honest with you and with themselves they're the ones who are doing incredible things the ones who are just going i i just want to lose a little bit of weight but they won't actually f- look at well why does this matter yeah. and they won't have that conversation like they might get temporary results but the chances of long-term change are much lower than the ones who go, okay, let's just face this head on and be honest about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're totally right. Um, it is, it's empowering. And that's the, it's, it's that, you know, it's like being in a, a, a mine cart going down these mines. I think of like Donkey Kong as a kid, like playing that kind of thing. And it's like, you, so many people are just in these mine carts that are just rattling through life, no brake, no accelerator, no choice between whether they go left or right and just hoping that it takes them to the end and it's probably not too painful i wouldn't even say people are hoping that it's going to be magical i think people are like i just hope it's not too painful Hmm. and if you're in the mind i suppose if you're in the here's an analogy like if you're in the mind car with other people there's a fear of that leadership of actually 
I'm going to change this minecart. Like, I'm going to figure out how we break it, slow it down, how we take a left or how we take a right. Because there would be a fear of being judged and being abused for um, making the wrong decision. But it's the only way that anything is going to change. And if you, it's the only way. 100%. And it might not be the right way that you take, but at least you stood up and tried. Um, and there's not, there's just, yeah, there's just not enough people really, I feel, that are, there's just so many people rattling through life. And some of them are like, well, but my, my mind cart isn't horrible, right? It's not hell. Yeah. But it's just, meh. Yeah. It's like, it's like they're at a four and they're going, you know, God, wouldn't it be amazing to get to a seven or an eight, but I'll just stay where I am in case I go back to a two. Ex exactly. And it's, yeah. And I totally get it. Right. Like, cause we have, you know, business is a great way of kind of, or an, almost an instant way of seeing that, right? Like if I act like I'm in a four, I get this set of results, right? Revenue comes in, profit, this level, whatever it is. When I act like a two, it's quite quick to see, right? You know, revenue mm -hmm. drops, margin drops, all that kind of stuff. But when I act like a nine, everything goes up and it's, yeah. it's all great. The problem in life is you don't really have as many indicators necessarily that saying, oh, you've just slipped there from that four to the three. Mm. Oh, now you've slipped into the two because it, it happens a bit slower and a little bit is just a little bit less obvious. And before you know it, you're like, holy shit, I've been in like this for a year, five or ten or. Yeah. Um, and then it's normalized. Exactly, right? And then your scale's all to shit because actually what you probably do is you say, I'm a two, but actually I'm now normalised this so that it's a five. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. The mind will play little games with us. Absolutely. <laughs> um, how did the fitness journey impact your life as a whole or has it had an impact on your life other than that? Because I know you were quite driven anyway, but like yeah. how has it taken you to a different level of even clarity, mental clarity, energy, confidence, and then like that? Um, it has, but it's all been, for me, it's all been very intertwined, right? Like it wasn't, I was very driven, um, before I really, like, I'd been relatively fit through my twenties, you know, but nothing I'd ever focused on just playing football with my friends and, uh, and that kind of thing. Um, I think it just took me, the great thing about fitness is I kind of have a, it's, it's this little thing that you insert into your daily routine so that if I have a bad day at work, I can be like, oh, but I had a good day in the gym, right? Like felt, felt strong this morning or hit a PB or mm. I went out for a run and it, just, it was just a, one of those lovely runner's high kind of runs. So it was like injecting a thing into my daily routine that I could control quite well in terms of, how much I enjoyed it and therefore and even when I didn't do particularly well it was still doing the whole firing endorphins and all this kind of thing so it almost became like this um like like a sort of ladder of where our work didn't go very well so but 
but being in the gym did go well so it kind of dragged the work day up <coughs> excuse me and then equally maybe work went quite well that day but the gym didn't so but I wouldn't be too disheartened by that because it's not the only thing I've got in life um and in fact that's kind of like I, so I wrote a book um um and one of the things that I talk about in that book is for my work with athlete with elite athletes is the reason that elite athletes are so susceptible to to mental health challenges is because they're focused on one thing in their life right it, it, because that's the kind of culture around it if you want to be the very best at this one thing that has to be an obsession so it's kind of like the analogy i use is like it's like building a tower with a lego block and if you imagine like just building putting one lego block on top of another you can get up you can get quite a high tower quite quickly but when that one thing like in an athlete's life it's like i'm trying to run 100 meters or whatever it is and if you don't if if things don't go very well that lego tower block will start to lean and it doesn't take much leaning for it to all fall down and feel awful right because there's nothing supporting it whereas and it's the same for life right so if you've focused on one thing if it's slightly off you're going to feel all over the place whereas if you look at the best athletes in the world like the likes of uh uh, a Michael Jordan or a Serena Williams or somebody like that, right? These people all had other things that were important to them in their life, right? Jordan had, like, he was a golf addict, right? He was a scratch golfer. He was intent on building the Nike Jordan brand. Serena Williams has had, always had her fashion line. They've always had other things going on in their life where they were like building a tower next to this other big Lego block so that when it started to just sway a little bit, you could always, there was something else supporting it. So when you have a bad day at the, in, on the tennis court or whatever, Serena would be like, well, actually, but the, you know, the fashion business is thriving. We maybe did a big deal this week or, or, you know, we've, we've brought out a whole new line and it's amazing. And it's the same with life, right? Like we all get, particularly with careers, you know, so many people get so focused on the career, but they forget about the other different parts to their life. Um, and if you if you do that, it's just like a recipe for anxiety, for depression, for for all sorts of mental health problems, because you only need that one little thing to be off. Yep. And it feels like it's all going to fall down. Um, and that's kind of opened my eyes fitness really kind of opened my eyes to that and saying actually here's something that I can have every day that could go really well so that when I do have the bad days either you know a family stuff is not going great or the the work stuff's not going great or all these different other parts to my life I always had something I could fall back on and kind of support myself if you like uh, that's a great point. Some of some of what you're saying here is actually bringing me back to another guy we had on the podcast, David Gillick. So David is or was an Olympian, like he's one of Ireland's best ever sprinters. Um, but he was really, really successful. Like he's a double European champion. Once he retired, he had huge issues with depression and even like suicidal thoughts and stuff like that. He's been through the mill. But he said exactly the same as what you're saying now. He was saying it was because my whole life was focused on 
winning a medal at the Olympics. And it was just like everything was going into being the best sprinter he could possibly be. And his life around that was just totally neglected and the blinkers were on. And then when that was all taken away and when he retired, serious shit hit the fan like you know um, but it's and it's not just with elite athletes like it's the same even for people listening to this at home who are as you said really career focused for example make sure that if if you think about it as a stool there needs to be three legs under that stool not just one trying to hold it up like you know yes. um, just having that having that balance so so important yeah I, I do a thing with a lot of clients it's, it's called um, it's called the wheel of life and if you imagine like a trivial pursuit kind of pie right like there's, there's really eight different parts to your life. There's things like your career, your uh, intimate relationships, your family and friends, your finances, your health and fitness. There's, there's eight different parts. So and most people, if I say to them, right, Mark, on this pie chart, like um, one to 10, where each one is at, most people will say like one or two of them will be will be considerably better than the rest, right? So you start to create this really odd-shaped wheel where you have, like, two spokes that are really long. You know, they're, they're almost touching the edge of the pie, and it's maybe my career has gone uh, brilliantly, and therefore my finances are in a really good place. But my relationship with my partner is in the shithouse. My body's been completely neglected, and I barely ever see my family and friends. If you think about it like a wheel, so you have these two huge spokes sticking out, and then these other six tiny, it just doesn't roll, right? It's like clunk, 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 clunk. Yeah. And then people are like, God, what's wrong with me? I've got this amazing career, I've got all this money, and I'm still unhappy. What like there's something wrong with me? And it's like, it's not that there's something wrong with you, it's just that you've you've neglected the other parts of your life a bit, yeah. and we don't have to pack in the career and become a hippie to because that's you know and <laughs> find ourselves in a, in a in a monk monastery right it's like you just need to start being aware of these things and try and level it out a little bit yeah. and, and and pick one or two to work on over the next three to six months right actually I'm really going to commit to to my relationship with my partner right I'm really going to get that back in play and and the same with my, my with my close friends, right? And then it's like, right, okay, now I've got this, and I haven't had to sacrifice my career, right? I haven't had to like, and I haven't had to sacrifice my financial situation. I've just been mindful and aware that I need to spend more time with with or more. I need to commit to whatever it is to make the the relationship better with my with my partner or with my friends. And then you start to build this like smoother feel. And life just starts to feel like, ah, just a bit easier. And then what you find is when that starts to feel a bit easier, all that if career and finances is like you're a big driver and you and it has to stay that way, you will do infinitely better because you won't feel like dragged down or back by all this other stuff. Um, yeah, it's, um, it's quite a powerful kind of way of thinking about life and and what else where else you need to focus a little bit of your time absolutely and sometimes you just need to take a step back to take a step forward like because you yeah. kind of think oh well if i'm in business all the time i'm going to keep growing business but actually just taking a little bit of a step back from that sometimes and working on other areas of your life like you said maybe relationships your yeah. energy is an awful lot better and your business actually improves from that too so like there's a huge knock-on effect 
I, I'm, I'm conscious that we both have we both have other calls at half ten, so we better get a move on. Um, uh, tell me a little bit about the challenges you've taken on, like the marathon to Sobles, all that sort of stuff. What what drove you to do that? Are you just mad in the head, or? <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe. Uh, I think the marathon to Sobles was like like a. I don't know what exactly drove me to do that. You know, they say it's the, the toughest foot race in the world, right? Um, Tell the guys what it is, because I know a lot of people listening to this might not have a clue, so just give them an overview of just what, what exactly is involved in it. Yeah, so it's called the toughest foot race in the world, um, and it's six marathons and six days across the Sahara Desert. Uh, and one of those days is a, is an ultramarathon, which is... 90 i think it's 90k like a double marathon and a little bit um so what's the heat like horrible like i mean it's just it's hell in so many it's it's the hardest thing i have ever done in my life and i don't think there will be anything i think that i knew it was going to be really hard right like it was, I think, like on the actually the ultra marathon day was probably the hottest day that we had, which is you know a recipe for disaster. You're talking, I think it was fifty four. Uh, it was at least fifty four. I was talking to somebody the other day there who was Celsius. Saying, yeah, Celsius. Yeah, fifty four oh, Celsius. The other guy was telling me he, <laughs> his one was saying it was fifty seven. Right, I'm like, and it's a real. Um, it's difficult to describe like what happens to your body at that sort of in that heat um like the first day i went out and by this point like i was super fit right i was running at least a marathon every week uh probably doing 100 120k a week uh in, in running like i could just run I, I could just run a marathon no problem right I, I just got myself to that point and on the first day i went out and blacked out three times like just no idea what happened I just my peripheral vision would just start to get a bit hazy and then it would feel like somebody had lifted my head off my shoulders poured a bucket of like really cold water into my body and I'd feel freezing cold and like I would look at my arms and I could see there was goosebumps and then it would just be like bang you're just out and then you wake up and go what the fuck happened there wow and i think that was a real i knew it was going to be really hard i hadn't really thought about the danger aspect of it yeah that was a bit of a so i was like you know we got back to the the to complete the race that day and you sleep with the same six people every night you have these like things called bivouacs, which is literally like four twigs like snapped off a off a tree, and they put a blanket over the top. There's no sides or anything. And in amongst one hell of a massive sandstorm, um, I was going. I think I was walking across to the toilet, and I could hear all this commotion. And I was like, "What the hell's going on?" There was a guy who had a cardiac arrest, right, dead for seven minutes, and you're like. You can just hear this commotion and then you can start to see people you know bodies getting zapped and all this kind of thing and you're like holy shit like what have i 
signed up for. And the guilt of that, like being, because I've got kids, right? I was like, this was never meant to be about, this was meant to be about pushing myself really hard, finding new limits. I was so excited mm. about what was my head going to do? What was my mind going to do when it's in its like darkest hours? Um, but you're just riddled with guilt. Now, luckily that guy, they managed to bring him back, but he was the same age as me, right? He had kids, experienced ultra runner. Um, but in that level of heat, it's, you know, your body just does crazy things. Um, and then you just, you know, like wake up the next morning, right? And like, just glad that a rattlesnake hasn't like crawled over your head and, like, or a scorpion hasn't crawled into your mouth or something. <laughs> you know, you wake up and you're like, right, what are we doing today? And, and you're like, well, I need to eat. So you have to eat these like freeze dried, dehydrated rations. So like, they're all called different names. Like, it's like, oh, this is like baked apple porridge. I mean, you've got like chicken tikka masala for dinner. And I'm like, these taste and look exactly the same. Porridge tastes like tikka masala. Tikka masala tastes like porridge. <laughs> looks the same. So you kind of guzzle some calories in and you're in a constant calorie deficit, right? Because you can only carry about two and a half, three thousand calories a day for weight purposes. Um, but you're burning probably, you know, on the ultra day you're burning over 10,000 calories right so you're yeah every day you're in this constant deficit and then you just get up and you're like right what are we doing today oh yeah just running another one right like <laughs> right, what is it today and they're like oh it's gonna be even harder today and the course is really technical because you think when you think about the course certainly when I thought about the desert I had this kind of like uh what's that Lawrence of Arabia like rolling sand dunes mm. You know, and they'd be like, you know, six to feet tall or whatever. Like a lot of the desert is is like mountains. So okay. On jebels. So it'll be like one side of the mountain is completely covered in sand because the way the winds are. So it's the soft, it's just that you, you know what running in sand like is like it's just yeah. it's sapping yeah. thing you can do. And one side of it will be covered in sand. So you're trying to get up. And some of it, you've even, it's, it's like two, 3,000 feet high, right? And some of it's so steep and the sand is so soft that you can't, you end up going backwards, right? Because you just can't, you just can't seem to get forwards. So there'll be ropes and things like, and they're not like ropes, like, oh, clip in and here's a helmet and all this. This is just like, there's a bit of rope. Right. go and figure it out <laughs> Grab it if you can if you don't you're just never going to get here and you'll just lie in a crumpled heap at the bottom of the, the bottom of Sahara so yeah and then you get up you get up to the top and you're like Christ it's even hotter because now I'm at the top of this bloody mountain and it's, it's the heat's rising so I need to get back down the other side but it's then really rocky because the wind hasn't covered that at all and it's really quite hard, right? Like you have to really fo focus and concentrate on where your foot is and where your hands are and how you're getting down. And oh, it's just, it's an unbelievable thing to do. Um, you're not enticing me, Scott. <laughs> no, I don't. Like, <laughs> you know, I, I, I would, I, I think now I'm at the point, you know, the trauma has left me now. <laughs> I've been might do it again. eight weeks and I'm like, yeah, actually it wasn't that bad. Um, what what gets you what, what, what gets you through those days? 
Um, there's, I just had this complete rock solid belief that I would do it. Like I'd ne I never, I, I, I'm very conscious of the questions that I ask myself in these things. A lot of people, you know, talk about all oh, the questions was how much do I want this, right? When you're knackered. Like if I ask myself near the end of a marathon, how much do I want this? Every time I'm like, not that much. Mm. Really want is to stop and rest and let my feet, and my knees and things recover. So I would be like, I'm not going to ask myself that question. I'm going to ask myself uh, something like, how can I enjoy this last three miles? And I'll try and come up with ideas around that. And it'll be things like, right, um, I could... I could try and talk to somebody, right? Like that everybody's running like zombies. And I'm like, hi, <laughs> how are you? Do one. <laughs> what is your name? Um, but I, I think there's, there's things like that. I think the thing that I fall back on more often than not is I always think of myself as like having a joystick. Um, and sometimes I need to lean into like the concept of glory, right? Like when you're... I, the idea of how is this going to feel when I finish it and I get a medal kind of thing. And I think, uh, and sometimes I'm like, oh, actually I need to lean into gratitude, like things that I'm really grateful for to help me get through this. Sometimes I have to lean into like pain and fear. Like what is the thing that would drive me in this moment when I'm, what am I terrified of happening to, to fire off the adrenaline? And the really important, and I almost like, I'm like, right, there's always some sometimes it'll work right I'll like lean into gratitude sometimes it's just not and I'm like okay right I need to just get back right let's think of something else that I can do and I'm almost thinking of this joystick like forwards backwards left right what are all the different levers that I've got but they're all very based around visualization so I'm when I'm with glory for example I'm it's not that I'm just thinking what's it going to be like with that medal? Well, that would be quite nice. And it'd be nice to get a hug from my wife and things. Like, I I play it like a movie. So I like literally picture myself in a movie theatre and create like an image that for me is quite empowering. So it'll be like, you know, the final 100 yards and I can see the all my friends lining up to the left and to the right. I can see... Um, I can see my wife, I can see my kids, I can see the big banner that's got the finish line, right? So I picture that, and then I start to zoom into that picture till I get into till I get into the actual movie. And from then it's really like it's difficult to explain, but I'm I'm immersing myself in that yeah. movie, like, right? Okay, what can I see? Right, I can see my I can see my mate. Keith, right? I can see his, uh, I can see the, what his eyes are doing, right? I can see the little creases at the left and right. I can see him. Uh, I can see the lines on his face. What's he shouting? I mean, what would Keith shout? And I could maybe lose a couple of minutes just thinking, what would Keith shout in this moment? He'd probably be shouting, yeah, fucking beauty. Like, <laughs> and then I'm like, what else is there? I'm like, oh, there's my daughter. 
what's she doing? And I can see like the hair sort of getting blown across her face and I can see her skin and I can see it's, she's getting really hot because it's sweaty. And what would she be doing? She'd have a banner probably. She loves like drawing pictures and, and I'm trying to constantly add more and more layers to make this more and more real um and and really feel how that what that experience is like for me and i can lose like 40 minutes just replaying that and and at the same time get my like adrenaline is kicking off you know everything all the dopamine starting all the endorphins are kicking in and then eventually that'll stop and I have to lean into something like it would just start feeling a bit like, all right, I've, I've had enough of this. Yeah. Um, and then it'll be into, right, you know, gratitude for me is like always you are more often than not, like with the kids and thinking about what would it feel like to have their, to be carrying them to bed. I love carrying them to bed, right? Like I can, I can feel their weight in my, in my arms. I can, I can feel their little head like nestled into the, like the crook of my shoulder and I can feel their soft skin. And what would they say? They go, oh, like, daddy, your face is jaggy. And I'd be like, oh, sorry. And I'm trying to find a softer part of my skin. And I can feel their, the heat of their skin. And I can, and then I can feel like their heartbeat on my chest. So I'm like, right, try and get your heartbeat in sync to their heartbeat. Can I, can I do that? And I can just lose again, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes to that. And, and constantly replaying it, pain and fear for me, it's always like if the kids ever got kidnapped, right? I always, I'm always chasing this transit van that I can see, and the kids are in it, and there's some guy got them, and I'm it's the most terrifying thing that I ever have to experience. And I don't go there very often because it's dark, and I don't really want to have to experience it. But it, there is never, ever been a time when i've been running just no matter how tired i am i've stopped chasing that transit van right because it's not pretend for me in that moment it's entirely real like my heart rate is elevated because i'm terrified and it's part of me wants to rip out of it and go just stop it you're running through the hills and everything's fucking fine scott right chill out but I know if I do that, five minutes later, I'm going to be knackered. I'm looking for something to, mm. um, so I have to kind of stay there and really, you know, I, I, I can picture my wife like screaming in my ear, please don't stop. You have to, like, she's crying. And then I can get really upset in that moment because that's how deep the emotion is going. By never, and it's the same with glory, like I can get emotional to the point that my eyes will well up with tears. But I never let that tip over, right? Like as soon as, if I let a tear go in either of those scenarios, the energy drops, right? Which is why crying is so good, right? When you cry, it's because all this pent up emotion. And then eventually when you let it out, it's like, and it's why you feel knackered if you've been crying, right? So the, the trick for me is to let that emotion really build to the point the tears are in my eyes, the you know, the lumps in my throat. But figuring out then how do I keep the energy level here, right? How do I maintain it? And 
the more you do this, the more you start to realize, actually, you can control this, right? And I feel that elevated level of excitement. Where is it? Is it my chest? Is it my stomach? Is it my head? How do I hold on to that and not level, not let it drop? Um, so yeah, like it's things like that. It's it's kind of you, and in that scenario, you you just start learning more and more new things that you'd never done before, that you would never learn until you put yourself in this situation. I think. Oh man, that's amazing. That is absolutely amazing. Such powerful, powerful tools. And like, I can see the Tony Robbins effect coming through there as well. Yeah. But, um, that, oh man, that's absolutely incredible. And I love how real you make it as well. Like it's not just doing it for the sake of doing visualization. Like you're actually bringing a huge level of emotion to it. And that's what's driving you. And even when you're doing something that difficult, it's taking your mind off the current level of pain that you're in. And it's using emotion to fuel you, which is, oh man, incredible. Yeah, it's so true. Emotion is the, and I suppose that's the trouble with been working with quite a few clients recently who, who would characterize themselves as non-emotional people. So they've really struggled to with visualization because they're like, well, I'm picturing it, but it doesn't do anything for me. I'm picturing putting the gold medal around my neck. I'm like, but yeah, you're not emotionally engaged in it. And there's that resistance to that for, for so many people. Um, but that's part of the thing that I love, right, is then realizing, when you realize that emotion is that such a powerful energy, especially as blokes, right, we're kind of encouraged growing up, right, emotion is weakness and all that kind of thing. It's It's not, right? Like, you ask any Navy SEAL, any special forces soldier, any soldier or anything, right? Like they, while they're not necessarily, there's probably still a massive culture of don't cry and just man up and get on with it. The way that they get themselves fired up for these dangerous missions is emotion. It's the only way that they manage to do it. It's because they let that emotion kick in, the emotion of certainty, the emotion of uncertainty, the emotion of... um of fear and and drive and success that's what they're all using otherwise you don't go into a gunfight with no emotion because you won't be able to move as fast you won't make decisions fast enough you'll you'll, you know it's it's, emotion is everything it's just being able to control it yeah 100 it's it's keeping you sharp but it's exactly what you say is that it's it's being used within control as well that it's not spilling over to become detrimental but um oh man that was absolutely awesome that was absolutely incredible i'm just i know we're both you on another call in four minutes exactly yeah. so we better wrap this Once up forever. Um, scott that was absolutely incredible i really really enjoyed that and um, we might have to get you back another time because i feel like we could be here for the next three hours chatting so yeah absolutely. thank you so much for your time dude i really really do appreciate it no problem thank you buddy Speak to you soon, man. Cheers. Cheers. Bye-bye.